are here for this brand new series that we're kicking off the new year with, Written on Our Hearts. And uh, welcome again to everyone. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here. And we want to say welcome to all of you watching in the parent viewing room as well. Uh, It's a great place. If you have little ones, if they get fussy during the service, you can just go right past our donuts and coffee and you'll see the parent viewing room right there and you can watch the service live uh, with us in there. And uh, are you guys ready for 2015? Are you ready for another year. You know, when I think about New Year, I think about another year comes with another bunch of statistics, right, about the following year. And I was interested in the percentages about cell phone ownership, right? And so I did a little research and I found out that 10 years ago, did you know that only 65% of Americans owned a cell phone, even just 10 years ago? Uh, How many of you remember some of the very first cell phones that were ever, ever out? Do you remember that? They kind of look like this right here. Um, do, you, do you remember phones like that? Remember that? And what was cool about back then is that if you bought the phone, you got the old man for free. And so that was pretty cool. Um, and I actually remember my parents' very first cell phone. It looked like this. Um, it was this big clunky thing with the big flip down, you know, and you had to pull up the antenna. And I can remember, I don't know, I was probably, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. And my parents had this. And, and uh, I remember it was a dollar a minute for them to, own, to have a cell phone. And so they just had it for emergencies, you know. $30 a month gave you 30 minutes, and it was like only if it's an emergency, like, you know, we're out of milk and eggs and that kind of thing, you know. So a dollar a minute, that was pretty expensive. But fast forward to 2014, 10 years have passed, and now 91% of Americans own a cell phone. Uh, pretty amazing to think. Is there anybody here that still does not own a cell phone and needs to get with the program? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, but you're five. So, okay. Yeah, all right. That's awesome. So, Yeah. I mean, there is nowhere that we can go now without being contacted by people. And we love to have that connectivity at our fingertips, don't we? Uh, For some of us, the idea of spending some quality time away from our phones, like, induces anxiety in us, right? We think, what if someone needs to get a hold of me? You know, and I mean, do you remember the good old days when you had to come home and check the answering machine? You remember that, right? I mean, those were the good old days, right? No one could bother you all day and you just came home and hit play and there was a message or something if someone really needed you. But now we're just all connected. Uh, one of the things that I love about uh, cell phones the most is this beautiful thing called text messaging, right? Uh, which means that you and I can get right to the point without having to endure a conversation, right? So we all like that privilege as well. Um, but we know, it's so, you know what's so interesting to me is that whenever your text message goes off and, and you hear this right here, <laughs> all right? Is that your sound? It might be something like that, right? Suddenly when that goes off, like there's something that's just in us, that no matter what we're doing, we want to check out what the text says, right? We know it's somebody that probably knows us because they have our number, or maybe yours sounds like this. Oh, that'd be interesting. Or, that's a good one. Or I like this one. Okay. <laughs> that one's pretty intense, right? It's like, so much drama, check the phone. But, you know, when we hear that, We hear that noise and automatically, you know, it's so interesting to me because it doesn't matter that you could be in like the most important thing of your life. You could be in the middle of the most important conversation of your life. You could be sitting down having coffee with Barack Obama and suddenly you hear that noise and you're like, hold on just one moment. I've got to check this text. You know, it's like suddenly no matter who's face to face with us, we now, this is more important to us. And then I've noticed some of you that are the fake turner offers, you know, like you tell someone to hold on and you, oh, I, I need to shut this off so they don't keep bothering me. But then you really want to see who it's from, don't you? And you pretend like you're shutting it off while you're reading the text real quick, right? I'm onto your game. I know how you flow, right? I know. It's amazing to me. But it's also true 
that we always read our text, don't we? I mean, no one ever asks you, did you read my text? They never ask you that question. What do they ask? They say, did you get my text, right? Because we know if you got it, you read it. Everyone reads their text. Who doesn't read their text? Everyone gets it. I mean, I've never heard anyone say, hey, I got your text, but I didn't read it. Uh, because I'm just, I don't like to read. I'm not into reading. And so if you could just call me next time, I'd really appreciate it because I'm not going to be reading your text anymore, right? I've never heard anybody say that. Now, as we begin this series, and we're talking about the Word of God, the most important text that God could have ever sent us, it's interesting to me that throughout my years of ministry, I have heard this excuse many, many times when it comes to reading the biblical text that God has given us. Many people have said, you know what, I'm just not a reader, I don't like to read. And your very first fill-in on your notes, right, in your bulletin should be some notes. If you want to grab those out and grab your pen, sorry, I should have warned you about that. But if you want to take that out, and you can do some fill-in-the-blanks and take it with you. But the first fill-in is this, that we all have, so, we have all sorts of reasons why we don't read the Bible. And yet the truth is that if we had read it and applied it years earlier, our life would look a lot different. Would it not? If we had read the text and applied it to our life years earlier, our lives would look very, very different. Would they not? Our dating life would have looked different. Our marriage would look different. Our finances would definitely look different. We would have raised our kids different. We would have handled our morality different. We would have treated our in-laws differently, right? You may not even have the same in-laws had you read and applied the word. I mean, think about that dating. I'll let that sink in for a minute, right? You would have different in-laws possibly. The text that God sent us is way more important than anything we could get from another person. And yet for many of us, we have ignored the very message that God has given to us. We've just ignored it. Now there are some of you, and you've been fortunate enough that maybe you had like a godly parent or maybe a youth pastor or a youth worker in your life that helped point you to God's word. And early on, you started applying this to your life. And looking back, you think to yourself, if it wasn't for that in my life, I don't know where I'd be. It was the thing that helped guide my life. And I had that incredible privilege to have parents in my life that helped model that for me and put the scriptures in my hand at a young age. And, and those scriptures have helped guide my life. They've guided me. And I want to do everything in my power over the next couple weeks to get you to read your Bible. I'm going to pull out all the stops, and I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to twist your arm, and um, we're just going to do a full court press on us as a church to get all of us to read our Bible. And so I'm going to ask for permission. I'm going to ask for permission to push all of us over the next couple weeks and maybe even step on your toes just a little bit, not too hard, but just a little bit, okay? Is that all right that I do that? Is that okay? Do you give me permission? Do you give me permission? You give me permission, good. Um, all right, so let's start with the whole excuse of I'm not a reader thing, all right? And so we know that that just doesn't cut it. To say that I'm not a reader doesn't cut it because we're all readers when something of importance comes along, right? And I'm here to tell you this, and it's your next fill-in, that the Bible is something of great importance to our lives, and that's a great reason to read it. It's of great importance to our lives. But, I mean, you know this, right? That's not anything that I need to tell you. You know that what is found between these pages are of great importance. It's important because your next fill-in, 
Our entire worldview will be formed by the information in this book or lack of it. Our entire worldview, our entire view of morality, our entire rules of right and wrong will be formed by the lack of or the study of this text right here. And I just believe as your pastor that you owe it to yourself to know what is inside of this book. Because when someone asks you if something is right or wrong, right, this is what many of us do. We reach back somehow into our past and we say, well, you know, my dad told me once something or my mom told me once something or, you know what, I was at church once and the preacher said something about that, I think. I'm not really sure. And we also have these crazy ideas of things that are in the Bible that really aren't. And you might be surprised as you begin to read it and find out that some of what you thought was in the Bible wasn't in the Bible and things that maybe you never thought was in the Bible actually is in the Bible. Right, And so we're trying to develop this worldview and this idea of how we're supposed to live our lives, yet without ever reading the scripture, the text that God has given us. You owe it to yourself to read the Bible and know what's in it. I mean, if you're going to get your kids up out of bed, if you're going to get yourself ready every Sunday morning, if you're going to drive in 14 below zero weather to get to church, congratulations, by the way, you are a true Minnesotan, right? Don't you think that you owe it to yourself if you're going to put this much stake in your faith for you to know what the Bible says, that would be extremely important for your own growth and for your own faith. You see, we have an incredible privilege in this country to be able to buy a Bible like this and read it and apply it to our lives without any interference from the government. And did you know that still to this day, in many countries around the world, it is illegal to own one of these. And if you own one of these and are caught, you can be put in prison. I mean, that's serious, right? If you were to bring in a Bible, you'd have to smuggle in the Bible into the country. And then once you have it, you'd have to hide it to make sure that nobody found it and you couldn't really trust anybody. And so you'd have it under wraps and maybe under the the darkness of night, you'd bring it out under candlelight and begin to read the Bible. And there are governments that are very against their people reading this text. You know why? Because they know it has the power to change life. It has the power to change a life. So don't we owe it to ourselves when we have this incredible privilege of being able to own this and apply it, to be able to do that for us? Don't we owe that to ourselves to be able to know what's in it? Now there's others that would say, you know, well, Ryan... I tried once to read the Bible, and Ryan, it was just so hard. It was just so hard. Well, in that case, let's not do anything hard, right? Let's just be the typical American that says, whatever easy street is, that's what I want. I don't want to do anything difficult, nothing to challenge me, nothing to push me. Let me just live out my American dream and nobody bother me. But this isn't hard. If you will let me, For a moment, let me tell you some things that are hard. It's hard to make mistakes in your 20s that haunt you into your 30s and 40s. That's hard. You know what's hard? Hard is not having your marriage work out the way you had hoped because you didn't apply the principles of this book to your marriage. Hard is raising your kids and seeing them go in a direction you never wanted to. And suddenly they're 17 and 18 years old and you're wishing for a do-over. That's hard. Hard is not having a moral compass that protects your life and your future. So, 
your next villain. Spending 10 to 15 minutes a day reading some passages of Scripture that at times can be challenging to understand is not hard. Let's just have an honest moment. It's not hard. It takes discipline. It takes effort to get into the routine of saying, God, I want your word to speak to my life. I want your word to direct my life. I want your word to direct my future. I want your word to direct my family. I want your word to direct my business. I want your word to direct my schooling. I want your word to affect my peer groups. I want you to lead me in all of these things. That's where it all begins. And maybe you would say, but Ryan, I don't know if I believe everything in the Bible, and that's why I don't read it. Because I only read stuff that I believe, right? I mean, you can already see the holes in this, right? I mean, come on, let's have an honest moment. When was the last time you ever picked up a People magazine or a newspaper and said to yourself, now, I'm only reading this because I believe every single word in it? That's the only reason, right? It's it's not true. You don't need to believe that everything is true in this Bible to read it. Just start reading it. Because you and I are faced with decisions every single day that are going to impact the rest of our lives. And we owe it to ourselves to have this word as the compass for our life. Now, I want to take a couple minutes, and I just want to examine a passage of Scripture out of Psalm 119. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, in a minute, it will be up on the screen. Now, this passage of Scripture is really cool that we're going to read because David wrote uh, the Psalms. And and he writes, I think it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm, Psalm 119. But here's what's interesting is that David begins to express to us what the word of God means to him. Now, here's what's important to note. When David wrote this, David only had access to the first seven books of the Bible. All right? So you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. All right? So he's got these seven books available to him. Now, equally as important as these seven books were written hundreds of years before David was even born. Right? And so these seven books, and if we're having an honest moment, uh, they are the most exciting seven books of the Bible, okay? And if you've ever spent any time reading Leviticus, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so David only has these first seven books of the Bible, which are written hundreds of years beforehand. Now, this is important because many people would say that the Bible is not relevant to my life. It was written so long ago, how could it possibly be relevant for what I'm going through today? And David actually answers that in Psalm 119. And so we pick this up. Psalm 119, verse 97. I told you it was a long chapter. Here we go. Verse 97. He said this. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on them all day long. Now, meditate, it's just another fancy word for think on or dwell on. David is saying, I love your word. I love the seven books that I have, and I dwell on them all day long. What I read, I dwell on it the rest of the day. Right? And I think to myself, What do we think about all day long? What do we dwell on all day long? Is it possible that the decisions that you and I have to make on a daily basis could be greatly impacted if we were dwelling on Scripture throughout the day? If that was on the forefront of our minds, could it be that those decisions would be different? Maybe. Verse 98, he says, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Wow. How is that possible? 
Because in Scripture, we understand how God views the world and how God views us, how he views my life. And so when I study the Scripture, it makes me wiser than those who don't know God's view. Right? We understand the lens in which God sees everything through. And he created it all and made it all. And so when I read his word, suddenly I have an insight that other people don't have. Makes me wiser. Verse 99, he said, I have more insight than all of my teachers. For I meditate, there's that word again, or dwell or think on your statutes. He's saying, I have more insight. What does this word insight mean? Right? It means that you're able to take multiple things, two, three, four ideas, and you're able to pull it together and see the big picture. David's saying, I have the kind of insight that even my teachers don't have, that I can see the dots and only not only see the dots, but I can connect the dots and I can know what the picture means. That's what the kind of insight from God's word says will give to us. That we're able to see things that other people simply do not see. Verse 100 He said, I have more understanding than my elders, for I, what's that next word? Obey your precepts. Now, David does something really interesting here. He connects the the word understanding with obedience, right? And so he, he says, I have more understanding than my elders because I obey your precepts. And you know what we like to do is we like to say, God, listen, If you'll explain to me the why and the outcome and all that stuff, I'd be glad to obey you. But until then, I'd rather not. But David is saying there's an understanding that comes only after we've chosen obedience. And this is an amazing thought, especially for us Americans, right, who like all the knowledge up front, before we make any kind of decision, we want to have all the cards on the table. We would like to say to God, if you will explain to me first why you want me to do that, then I will obey you. But your next fill-in, God has said, and Scripture has proved this example over and over and over again, that if you are willing to obey God first, everyone say first, then you will have an incredible understanding after the fact. Right? God is saying, if you will start to obey me first, what I'm asking you to do in my word, I know you're not going to understand it all right now, but if you'll just begin to obey what I've set out in my word for you to do, I promise you that in due time, you'll have more than enough understanding. And you'll be so glad that you did. So to help you remember this, I've got a little cute phrase for you. Are you ready? Who likes a cute phrase? Come on. Great, four of you. All right, well, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Ready? Here it is. Ready? We're going to read it together. Here it is. To understand why... Submit and apply. Ready? Let's say that again. Ready? To understand why, submit and apply. Come on, let's say it again. To understand why, submit and apply. There's still some of you that are not saying it, so we're just going to stay here all day. Ready? Here we go again. Ready? To understand why, submit and apply. Right? I'm telling you what, this one thing could save a lot of us a lot of heartache. We'd say, God, you know what? I don't really understand it, but I'm going to choose to submit my life to you, and I'm going to choose to obey what's in your word. I may not even agree with everything that you're saying, but God, I'm trusting you. And so I'm going to jump in right here, and I'm going to start obeying you. And suddenly, when you begin to obey God, understanding begins to fill your life and begins taking you in paths with God that you never thought possible. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time that you obeyed God even when you didn't understand or agree. That's a great question to all of us in the room. 
front to back. When was the last time that you obeyed God when you did not understand or you didn't agree? Because your next fill-in, the best way to understand why God wants you to do something is to do it. That's what David says. He says, I have more understandings than even my elders because I obey your precepts. I obey them. There's no way to fully understand why God is asking you to obey in that way until you're on the other side of obedience. And he continues in verse 102, check this out. He says, I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. Now, Matt, he's got seven books that were written hundreds of years before he was born. And David says, you yourself have taught me. Isn't that an amazing thought? That God would want to teach us something. He'd want to say something to us through his scripture. What an amazing thought. In fact, I know there's some of you here today that before as you have read God's word, you would say, I believe God said something to me when I was reading it. I believe that God said something to my heart. When I was reading his word, it was like something just exploded on the inside of me. It's an amazing thing. And that's where it becomes personal for us. Then when we begin to be examine scripture and read God's word, suddenly he begins to speak to our hearts. And like David, he says, you yourself have begun to teach me things. I mean, you want to talk about a relationship with God? That's a relationship. When God himself is speaking directly to your heart out of something that you've read in this Bible. Now, some of you might say, but Ryan, I come every Sunday and I can read the fancy scriptures right up on the screen. I don't need to read it. Or maybe you grew up Catholic, where it was just the priest that was reading and that no one else was to read the Bible except for him. Or maybe it's just never been a part of your life and you think Sunday morning's good enough. And can I just tell you that Sunday morning is not enough. It's not enough. I cannot be the voice of God in your life. Nor would you want me to be. Nor do I want to be the voice of God in your life. You need to hear God for you. This is your next feeling. You must hear God speak to you through his word for yourself. For yourself. I can't replace that voice in your life. Once a week isn't enough to, to hear something or read something. This is for you. You say, well, Ryan, I, you know, I've never been good at... I've never been good at reading, but I've been good at praying. And Ryan, I pray a lot. And I pray when I'm driving or I pray before bed or I pray before meals or whatever it might be. And you know what? To be honest, we might be better prayers than we are readers. But you know what is interesting is that a lot of our prayers are a lot of asking, right? God, will you do this? And God, will you help heal my marriage? And God, will you help take care of my kids? And God, will you help give me more money? And God, will you help me at work? And God, will you help protect us from the boogie monster and from bad dreams and all those things? And God, will you bless this food so it doesn't kill us? And Right? Our prayers are definitely centered around God. Will you do, 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 do? And just the question that I want to ask this morning is simply this. Is that what if God doesn't want to do something for you? What if he wants to say something to you? 
What if he wants, instead of doing something for you, what if he wants to say something to you? What if he wants to say something to me? And what if the main vehicle of God saying something into our lives is through this text that he has given us? And without reading this, you can't hear what he's trying to say. Is it possible? Verse 104, he says, David says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. You know what he's saying? He's saying, your law, your word has shaped my values. It has shaped my right and my wrong. It has shaped my worldview. And because I have learned from your word that if someone goes down that path, it leads to this and leads to destruction, I now hate every wrong path. I don't want to go down that path because I've already read your word and it tells me where that path ends up. And so David says, your law has shaped my worldview. It's shaped my morality. It has shaped my right and wrong. It's not about my standard or what I think is right. It's not about what I feel. It's all about what God's word says. And so that's what David says. He says, now I hate every wrong path. And then in verse 105, David ends with probably the most important, poignant verse for all of us this morning. And he says this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So here's the question. How could something that was written hundreds of years before David was ever even born be that personal to him that he could say this very word that was written hundreds of years ago is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path right here, right now. How is it possible as David is saying that God's word is relevant enough that it surpasses all length of time, that it doesn't matter when this was written, it only matters when it's applied. And when it's applied, God says this word will become incredibly relevant to everything you're facing in your life. It will become a lamp for your feet and a light for your path right here, right now. Doesn't matter that it was written so long ago. God's word is his word and it never changes. And it stands the test of time. You know what's interesting about David is you look at his life and we, we did a series on him this past summer that his life was full of ups and downs. Chock full of mistakes and yet this guy is just desperate to have God say something to him so he doesn't have to live with any more regrets And go down the same paths again. David wasn't this person that didn't have a a sin in his life. He's not a person. I mean, he was a murderer. He was an adulterer, right? We learn these things that David made some incredibly poor choices in his life. And yet here he is coming back to God's word saying, God, I want your word to be a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And I believe it's for me and it's speaking to me today. I don't want to waste any more time, God. I don't want to waste any more time. Your very next fill-in. And I would like us to read this one together. You ready? David was intent on reading and thinking on Scripture so his life would be changed. Let's say that one more time together. 
David was intent on reading and thinking on Scripture so his life would be changed. Can I just say that in that same way that David wanted to read and dwell and think on God's word so his life would be changed, I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for our marriages. I want that for our families. I want it for our church that we would be people that say, God, we are in your word. We are reading your word. I want it for every teenager in this room. See, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can start at any age. I can remember being 13, 14, 15 years old. I can remember shutting my door and turning on some of the slower music, you know, that we would play here on a Sunday morning. And I'd play some of that in my bedroom and I would pray and I would just open up my Bible and I'd start reading it. And I remember when I was a teenager, you know, I had a journal because someone said it's good to journal. I hate journaling. Someone said it's good to journal, you know, so I hear I'm journaling things, I'm writing things down. But in that time, God was shaping my life. College student, you need time with God. You need it. Moms and dads, it starts with us setting this example in our home for our kids to see us in God's word, applying it to our lives. Your very last filling. Here's a little bit of permission for you. It's okay to read it and not understand everything. Grab a hold of what you do understand and apply it to your life. Can, can I just have a moment of confession? There are many things in this Bible that I do not understand, right? I don't get it. I don't understand some of it. So let's just let us all off the hook for a minute. Say, if there are things that you don't get and don't understand, that's okay. Move on past it until you read something that you do understand and that you can apply to your life. That's how you win. That's how your life begins to change. See, but here's what I want to say in closing is that I know my tendency when I get away from God's word, and here's my tendency, and it might be yours too, that when I get away from this word, my tendency is to lean way too much on me and not nearly enough on God. And I desperately want to be the kind of man that fully trusts in God. I want to be the kind of husband that fully trusts in God. I want to be the kind of dad that fully trusts in God. I want to be the kind of friend that fully trusts in God. So what if 2015 could be a year of the Bible for you? Maybe you've never opened it in your life. That's okay. Maybe it's been a long time and you might have to dust off a few things. Maybe you've never invested in buying yourself a really good study Bible that you can learn and understand it from. What if 2015 was a year of hearing God's voice through his word? 
What if this was written on our hearts in 2015? You know what I think would happen? I think it would change everything in our life. It changed how we think. It would change how we talk. It changed how we act. It changed our marriage relationship. It would change our dating relationships. It would change our friendships. It would change how we parent. It would change how we do business. It would change everything. Every one of them taking a step closer to Christ. And so in just a minute, we're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray that God would open up a desire within our hearts for his word. That it's not good enough for someone else to read it. I owe it to myself that I read it and I open it and I know what's in this book. And so before we pray, I'm going to give you your assignment for this week. Are you ready? Everyone say, give me an assignment. Come on, everyone say, give me an assignment. Come on, even back there at the sound booth, everybody say, give me an assignment. Everybody, right? Here's our assignment. We're taking this journey together. Here it is. Your job in the next couple days is to get yourself a Bible. A good Bible, right? I've got 30 of these, 20 of these, sorry, 20 of these available for $30 each at the Next Steps table. This Bible is $75, okay? $75 Bible, and we got a screaming deal on a bunch of them, and I said we're going to get them so people can buy them if they want them. It's a nice study Bible. It's an NIV version, which just stands for New International Version, and that's what I speak out of mostly, right? It's a little bit easier to understand. So I want to encourage you, either pick one up today at the Next Steps table or run to a bookstore, Lifeway Christian Bookstore. There's one in Maple Grove. There's one in Coon Rapids. Stop in there this week and find a good study Bible. Everyone say study, right? Here's what's cool about this is that only the first half of this is actually scripture. The bottom half is commentary to help us understand what we just read. This is important if we're going to understand God's word, right? And if you're as kind of slow as I am, I need this stuff underneath to help me understand this, right? And so I want to encourage you, get a good study Bible. This one is like full color and the whole bazang. I mean, this thing's a nice Bible. Leather bound, the whole nine yards. But I only got 20 of them, right? So they might be sold out right after this service. I don't know. We also have the one-year Bible there. If you want to change something up, you can buy one of our one-year Bibles that are out there. I think they're 20 bucks. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Next Steps table, except 24, whatever I said. All right, so maybe you just need to jumpstart and do something different. Right? Assignment number two is that on your way out today, you're going to get a bookmark with five days of reading assignments for this week. And we're going to start tomorrow, right? So you can process all this today. I don't want to like jump you right in today and have you have a heart attack, okay? So like take tonight to process that you're going to read something tomorrow, right? And we're opening it up to Psalm chapter one. Psalm is right in the middle of the Bible. It's pretty easy. Just open the middle and you'll find Psalms. Go to chapter one, and that's your assignment for Monday. And that's all about living blessed. That's what it's about, living blessed, right? And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's it. We're going to give you the weekend off. Saturday, Sunday, you get off, right, until you come back. And we're going to do this. And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to have a reading assignment every single week. And so on your way out today, the ushers are going to have these, and every single person is going to get one of these as a bookmark that they're going to stick in their Bible or something like that. And tomorrow, we're going to get on it. And tomorrow we're going to send you an email and remind you. And we might send you an email on Tuesday and remind you again. Because we're going to push. We're all in on this, right? We're all in together. If you want to read by yourselves, fine. If you want to read together as a couple, fine. Great discussion, whatever you want to do. So today, we're going to begin the journey of this text being written on our hearts. Can we do it? I think we can. 
Would you mind closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray? And let's just take 30 seconds, can we? Just wherever you're at right now. And just ask God. You can just whisper this. Say, God, will you please give me a desire in my heart to know your word? Can we do that? 30 seconds, just you and God. Let's do that right now. desire in 2015 to know your word like we haven't before. Give us the courage, God, to carve out the time and to make this a priority in our schedule. And that you'd help us to know when to apply it. And we pray you'd speak loudly to our hearts and may our lives be changed because of it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.